0: It's the Media buzz meter with Howard Kurtz. All you need to know about today's news, literally all you need to know is an image. You don't need all the words, you need an image. And that image is at the top of the Drudge Report and it's a big fat picture of a jar of Clorox. I will get to that in lots of detail. In just a moment, if you've watched the news at all in the last 12 hours, you know what I'm talking about. Meanwhile, getting ready for media buzz on Sunday. We hope you'll watch 11 Eastern. I'm not going to be back on the roof. We're done with the roof. Uh, For those of you who enjoyed uh, seeing me freeze my butt off or uh, how the wind would play uh, havoc with my carefully coiffed hair, uh, we are working on an alternate plan. I will share more details about that in the next podcast. Uh, Let's just say it doesn't involve me uh, having to have a long commute. Meanwhile, speaking about um, comments, let's just call it crazy, crazy comments that are getting a lot of attention. Steve Moore, who I know, is a nice guy. He is an economist. He is on the president's uh, committee to reopen the economy thing. Uh, He was a nominee for the Federal Reserve. He had to withdraw because of a lot of controversy in his background. Well, he gave an interview to the New York Times. Remember, he's kind of an informal Trump advisor, but he also likes to get attention. So he knows if he says certain things, it will get covered. He says about the coronavirus, I was thinking this morning, and this is just kind of a thought experiment. Well, that's when the red lights go off. What's the person going to say? Why don't we just put everybody in a space outfit or something like that? Says Steve Moore, no, seriously. I mean, just thinking out loud, and maybe this is a crazy idea. Okay, this is me interjecting an editorial comment. Yeah, maybe it is a crazy idea. Quote, but instead of just locking down the economy and putting everyone in a kind of, you're right, we'd have to make 200 million of these, but it wouldn't have to cost $3 trillion to do that. I mean, I was looking online, and there are these kinds of suits that they're building now, and you're not exposed, and, you know, you're kind of a ventilator. Okay, like, I personally have always wanted to walk around in an astronaut get up. But 200 million spacesuits. Everyone in America will wear a spacesuit. Well, that would be one way of dealing with the crisis. Uh, Joe Biden was at a fundraiser, a virtual fundraiser, of course, uh, last night. He lets reporters into these things or monitor them. I guess used to be you would physically go to the fundraiser. And the former vice president said this, mark my words, I think he, Trump, is going to try to kick back the election somehow, come up with some rationale why it can't be held. Imagine threatening not to fund the post office. Now, what in God's name is that about? That has to do with a question about if the post office needs a financial bailout, they should try to get the the Postal Service to operate differently. Uh, More Biden, other than trying to let the word out that he's going to do all he can to make it very hard for people to vote. That's the only way he thinks he can possibly win. Uh, Look, the President of the United States doesn't have the power to postpone an election. Uh, Obviously, there's a great debate if the coronavirus is still a significant threat at that time. Can you have vote by mail? A lot of states do this, including some red states out West. Uh, The president's opposed to that. You know, that's, you're going to hear a lot more about that. But I think Biden's just trying to, you know, gin up his donors by raising that spectacle. There's no reason to believe the president would do anything of the sort. Also in the news, uh, I mentioned the other day how the Tampa Bay Times, major newspaper in Florida, uh, is getting one of the federal bailout loans. That's eight and a half million dollars these loans are sort of forgivable. If you do certain things, you don't have to pay it back, or you can only pay it back at 1% interest. Also, the Seattle Times getting a loan for about $10 million. And Axios, some of you may be familiar with the uh, website that happens to be based uh, in Arlington, Virginia, is reporting that it's received a loan of about $5 million. None of these places, including Axios, responding when asked, well, do you plan to repay the loan if this is just to help you get through some tough times? All right. As advertised, let's go to story number one. Maybe it should be story number one through five. But uh, the president of the United States held a pretty remarkable news briefing yesterday at the White House. And he was completely sort of unprovoked on this. Uh, A guy named uh, Bill Bryan, who is an acting undersecretary at the Homeland Security Department, was talking about how they were running tests, including using bleach or disinfectant to try to kill off traces of the virus that might appear on surfaces and how that was going, and that makes perfect sense. Here's the president. I'm going to read a whole bunch of this, so there's going to be no, like, oh, you cherry-picked it out of context. Here are the president's words. So I asked Bill a question, probably some of you are thinking of. um, Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, whether it's ultraviolet or just a very powerful light, And I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought that light inside the body. This is Donald Trump, which you can do either through the skin or some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. It sounds interesting. Uh, Acting Secretary Bryant will get the right folks who could. The president goes on. And then I see that disinfectant, which knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Because you see, it gets in the lungs and it does a tremendous number on the lungs. So it would be interesting, says the president, to check that. So you're going to have to use medical doctors. But, but it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's, that's pretty powerful. Um, let's see here. So... Then comes a question. Uh, yes, Mr. President, after the presentation we just saw about the heat and the humidity, is it dangerous for you to make people think, a reporter asked, they would be safe by going outside in the heat, considering so many people are dying in Florida, considering this virus had an outbreak in Singapore, places that are hot. The president says, yeah, here we go. Here we go. The new headline is Trump asked people to go outside. That's dangerous. Here we go. Same old group. You ready? I hope people enjoy the sun. If that has an impact, that's great. Uh, I mean, there's been a rumor, you know, a very nice rumor that you go out in the sun, you have heat, and it does have an effect on other viruses. Uh, okay, so the president goes, I'm just scrolling down here. I'd like you to speak to the medical doctors to see if there's any way you can apply light and heat to cure. You know, but if you could, maybe you can, maybe you can't. And the reporter says, but sir, you're the president. President says, Deborah. This is Dr. Deborah Burks. Have you ever heard of that? The heat and light relative to certain viruses, but relative to this virus. Um, and Dr. Burks said, Well, that is not a treatment. The president says, Yeah. Burks, when you have a fever, it helps your body respond. But I've not seen heat or light. Uh, well, I think it's a great thing to look at, the president said. And then comes back to the reporter. And the reporter is Phil Rucker of the Washington Post. And Phil Rucker says, respectfully, sir, you're the president. And people tuning into these briefings, they want to get information and guidance and want to know what to do. And the president says, hey, Phil, I'm the president and you're fake news. And you know what I'll say to you? I'll say it very nicely. I know you well. Because I know this guy. I see what he writes. He's a total faker. Now, I don't think it's unreasonable for a Washington Post reporter, if the president delivers this long riff, about heat and light and getting light or ultraviolet light inside the body or disinfectant inside the body to say, hey, people are watching this. Some of them might take you seriously. Instead, he's called a total faker. Okay, so this created such an S-storm. It's just, you know, every single media outlet is doing this and is quoting all kinds of doctors, I'll give you an example in a minute, that it prompted the White House to have to do a cleanup just a little before I sat down here. Kaylee McEnany, the new White House press secretary, put out a statement. statement didn't deny or dispute or modify anything the president said. It says the following. President Trump has repeatedly said that Americans should consult with medical doctors regarding coronavirus treatment, a point that he emphasized again during yesterday's briefing. Leave it to the media to irresponsibly take President Trump out of context and run with negative headlines. Well, here's what I say to that. You don't need to worry about the negative headlines. The president said this to a nationwide audience, millions of people watching. He's on camera. You don't have to take our word for it. You can, you can make up your mind. Was he just musing? Was he just spitballing? I mean, one of the things about President Trump is he thinks out loud. Now, sometimes that's fascinating to watch. Sometimes it makes you cringe. Uh, most politicians don't think out loud because they know they might say something uh, that might not play well. President Trump is not a typical politician, so I'll say that for him. But for him to go off about disinfecting an ultraviolet light inside the body, and you looked at, at Dr. Birx when he went to her on this, and she was sort of sitting there with a very tight expression on her face, uh, like she didn't know exactly what to say. And so this is the reason that political leaders, particularly on an a, on a on a crisis as serious as this where the death toll every day um, is not necessarily rising, but it is substantial. So, all right. So here's the, the negative coverage. Washington post quotes Craig Spencer, director of global health and emergency medicine at New York Presbyterian Columbia university medical center says, my concern is that people will die. People will think this is a good idea. This is not willy nilly off the cuff that maybe this will work advice. This is dangerous. Dara Cass at Columbia University Medical Center. The difference between this and the the hydroxychloroquine is that somebody could go right away to their pantry and start swallowing bleach. They could go to their medicine cabinet and swallow isopropyl alcohol. A lot of people have that in their homes. There's an immediate opportunity to react. On Twitter, as you can imagine, the one woman, I don't know who she is. She may just be a random person. This is, you know, picked up by some one of the aggregating sites. I'm sorry, did he just suggest injecting disaffected into our lungs? I guess Clorox is the new Kool-Aid for the 24% who still think tiny hands is their savior. All right, so she's going back to an old joke slash insult about Trump. So you can discount that. Sherry Jacobus, who despises Donald Trump, Republican strategist whose name, you know, is kind of well known here in Washington. She says, just spitballing here, but what if Trump is pushing fake cures, parentheses, injecting disinfectants, deadly reopening of society, trying to limit testing, so by November we're in an even bigger crisis, he can declare martial law, cancel elections, control our food supply to contain us. Yeah, maybe you're just spitballing, but that's kind of nuts. Lysol has put out a statement. Under no circumstances should our disinfectant products be administered into the human body through injection, injection. Ingestion or any other route. So let's just say I don't think this is a very successful news conference by the president, uh, and therefore I think um, he should be more cautious in what he says because there are people who will try things that he says. I hope nobody's going to go and drink bleach. Um, and he says he suggested this to medical experts, but you know, maybe you don't go public with it. Unless you have any reason to believe that this is a reasonable suggestion, which according to most medical experts, probably all medical experts, it is not. All right, story number two. New York Times has a piece about the president's, it's a sort of behind the scenes at the White House these days. Since he arrives at the Oval Office these days, as late as noon, he's usually in a sour mood after his morning marathon of television. President sees few allies no matter which channel he clicks. He's angry even with Fox, an old security blanket, says the Times, for not portraying him as he would like to be seen. It also says he watches uh, Fox and then he watches CNN and then he'll he'll dip into MSNBC for a little rage watching. That's the Times' phrase. And he makes uh, time to watch Andrew Cuomo's briefings from New York, closely monitoring for a sporadic compliment or snipe. Uh, It makes the obvious point that the President of the United States is confined to the White House. Obviously, he can travel on Air Force One, but he's isolated from the supporters, visitors, travel, and golf that once entertained him. Even Republicans, says the paper, have criticized Mr. Trump's briefings as long-winded and his rough handling of critics as unproductive. President's primary focus, uh, advisor said, is assessing how his performance on the virus is measured in the news media and the extent to which history will blame him. Here's Stephen Moore I mentioned earlier about the uh, spacesuits. He's also the one who compared the protesters in certain states to Rosa Parks. But he says on the record he's frustrated. Uh, It's like being hit with a meteor. Well, I can understand that. This is my favorite part of the story. Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, Trump uh, donor and campaign surrogate, excuse me, When he visited the White House, this was back in the middle of March when it was still kind of safe to visit the White House, the president seemed so glum that Mr. Lindell pulled out his phone to show him a text message from a Democratic voting friend of his who thought Trump was doing a good job. Trump perked up after hearing the praise. Quote, I just wanted to give him a little confidence, says Mr. MyPillow. Uh, Trump won't hear any criticism of the briefings. Aide says he views them as primetime shows that are the best substitute for the rallies he can no longer attend but craves. says that Trump rarely attends the actual Coronavirus Task Force meetings that precede the briefings. He typically doesn't prepare before he steps in front of the cameras. He's often seeing the final version of the main talking points. You know, it's a script he reads at the top. He tweaks it with a Sharpie just before he reads them live. He hastily plows through them in a monotone, usually... In order to get to the question-and-answer bullying sessions, this is how The Times describes, because it doesn't like the fact that he pushes back against reporters. Now, I've been critical of that, depending on the circumstance, the question, the reporter, and what the president actually says. When he finishes the briefings, 90 minutes or more later, he goes back to the Oval to watch the end of the briefings on TV when he turns it over to the medical experts and compare notes with whoever is around from his inner circle. And sometimes they'll just keep going, They'll bring in some french fries and Diet Coke and keep yakking away. Uh, My favorite uh, paragraph in here, Mark Meadows, the new White House chief of staff, still finding his footing and adjusting to the nocturnal habits of Mr. Trump, who recently placed a phone call to Meadows at 3.19 a.m. Okay, I'm just thinking, like, if I work for the president and he called me at 3 o'clock in the morning, like, how co- co- coherent I could, could be if I answered the phone. On the one hand, I'd want to say, seriously, sir? Like, it's 3 in the morning. Go to bed. On the other hand, he's the leader of the free world, so you probably wouldn't say that. All right. You're always on call if you work for this president. Don't go anywhere. More BuzzBeater coming your way in just a moment. Story number three has to do with Georgia. And Georgia came up again yesterday at the briefing because on the previous day's briefing, so that would have been uh, Wednesday, uh, the president sort of seemingly reluctantly but unmistakably criticized Georgia Governor Brian Kemp for reopening his state today, it's happening today. It's happening nail salons, tattoo parlors, fitness centers, bowling alleys are all opening up. On Monday, I believe it'll be restaurants and movie theaters, but uh, at the briefing last night, he was, but he, was, he was more vociferous. But I was not happy with Brian Kemp. I will tell you that. What the Times is reporting that when Kemp first shared with the administration his plan to do the partial reopening in the state of Georgia, which, by the way, has uh, gotten all kinds of criticism from the mayor of Atlanta. And in the Atlanta metropolitan area, that's where most of the coronavirus cases are. Uh, mayor Bottoms has just gone off. Uh, I mean, she says they work together, but she had no idea. She was blindsided. So the Times says that on Tuesday night, this is the night before, Vice President Pence and President Trump in separate phone calls each expressed support for the governor's coronavirus response Said an official familiar with the calls who was unauthorized to speak about the matter. And that's why when Trump said, I think it's too soon, Kemp and Georgia Republicans were kind of baffled. And there's been other reports that the president toughened up on Georgia after consulting with his own medical experts. Meanwhile... Washington Post says governors in various states uh, preparing to roll back restrictions to slow the spread are in some cases acting without input and wishes of their own medical and emergency management staff. So Governor Kemp in Georgia is, a, is an example of that. Uh, without give, he didn't give advance notice to regional health departments who have to carry out the orders. In Utah... The governor lifted a statewide lockdown on elective procedures for surgery before his medical supply team had finished estimating how quickly hospitals would exhaust their supply of PPE, personal protective equipment. And then in Tennessee, where there are plans to raise restrictions on some businesses and public assembly, uh, been met by dread uh, among emergency management officials who are in, quote, complete disbelief that we are reopening the state, according to a person involved in the planning who spoke on condition of anonymity. But I have to stay, and let's move now to story number four. There is a positive story in the Washington Post about a Trump. Unfortunately for the president of the United States, it's about Melania Trump. But at least there's that. So, So this is an interesting take here. Uh, There was Melania Trump on Instagram wearing a surgical mask and stressing the CDC recommendations about covering your face. There she was again, tweeting to praise grocery store workers and power plant employees and, quote, those delivering mail and packages to us all at home and keeping the shelves stocked. There she was in a public service announcement thanking America's senior citizens for following the guidelines and staying at home. So what follows here is undoubtedly true. For most of her tenure, as perhaps the most press-shy first lady in modern history. Uh, Melania Trump has seemed uncomfortable with the speaking engagements and public appearances that have long been the tradition in the unpaid, unelected position of first lady. She rarely campaigned for her husband in 2016. By the way, this is a very savvy woman. It's a very smart woman. I've had the... Uh, occasion, to talk to her a couple of times, but clearly, you know, she didn't choose a life of politics. She doesn't particularly enjoy the spotlight, and she concentrates on raising their son, uh, Baron. And so it says, uh, you know, she often talks to children rather than, adult, rather than adults, excuse me, at her Be Best initiative events, almost never gives interviews. She's given a few. In the past month, this says that in a more controlled stay-at-home environment and using Twitter and Instagram, she's done all coronavirus all the time. For the first time in nearly three and a half years, says the Post, the First Lady seems to have found her voice. Okay, then of course it quickly points out it's a voice that sometimes directly contradicts her husband, who says we can't have the cure be worse than the problem, who opposed the bailout of the Postal Service and refuses to be seen wearing a face mask. Well, you know, that's up to the president. He's protected. He doesn't have to wear a face mask. He he repeated the guidance, but he did say that it was voluntary. This is interesting in the story. Um, Thanks to the media, we don't really know this, that in a Gallup poll released at the end of last year, Melania Trump is the second most admired woman in the United States, ahead of Oprah Winfrey and ahead of Hillary Clinton, but behind Michelle Obama, who obviously is treated as sort of a rock star. So would you know from everything that's been written about Melania Trump that in this annual Gallup poll that gets so much attention... That she's ahead of Oprah and Hillary, that she's the second most admired woman in the United States of America. Interesting. Um, also, Stephanie Grisham, who has gone, who was the White House Press as you know, went back to becoming Malanga's chief of staff. said in a time when social distancing is vital. She is reaching out to connect with the American people through videos and social media. By the way, I think that's not a coincidence. That Stephanie Grisham goes back to work on the First Lady staff and she's suddenly getting positive press. She's suddenly out there more, at least through social media and videos. I think that's a good thing. Okay, still, there has to be a to be sure paragraph. To be sure. Melania Trump's faced some criticism. For example, some of her observers have wondered whether she's violating social distancing guidelines. Wait for this because her hair and nails look so put together. But here is a person who is a friend of the family who is sometimes credited with introducing Donald and Melania who said, look, bozos. he That's me speaking, he, this person doesn't say that. Uh, she was a successful model for many years. Models know how to do their makeup because they have to do their makeup four times a day. So I would assume, assume she knows how to do her makeup, her hair, all of that. And you know what? I would assume the same. All right, story number five. Uh man, did Andrew Cuomo unload on Mitch McConnell when he said, you know what? These states that have spent too much money on public employee unions, etc., maybe they should just be allowed to go bankrupt. And Governor Cuomo says that's a dumb idea that reeks of ugly partisanship. And this is after the, uh, the House now has passed the Senate bill, $484 billion ballot bill, which doesn't include any help for the states, which the Democrats wanted. They couldn't get. This is the rea- real, one of the really dumb ideas of all time, says Andrew Cuomo. That's how you're going to bring this national economy back? By states declaring bankruptcy, you will see a collapse of the national equo- economy. He also, uh, McConnell put out a, a document that Politico described as being titled, stopping blue state bailouts. Vicious, says Cuomo. What he's saying is don't help New York state because it's a democratic state. How ugly a thought. Just think of what he's saying, says Cuomo. 15,000 people died in New York, but they were predominantly Democrats. So why should we help them? Well, you know who else is beating up on uh, the Senate Majority Leader? Congressman Peter King of Long Island, who's a Republican. He said, let me just go back to my self-proclaimed Grim Reaper, Senator McConnell. McConnell had once given himself, tongue-in-cheek, that nickname. To say that it is free money to provide funds for cops, firefighters, fighters, and healthcare workers makes McConnell the Marie Antoinette of the Senate. This is Peter King, conservative Republican, who also happens not to be uh, running again for re-election, so he can say those things about the GOP leader in the other chamber. And finally, I'm just going to throw this in, story number six from the BBC. I love this story. The Rolling Stones have released their first record, their first song in eight years with Sir Mick Jagger. You can tell this is a British publication. I forgot that he had been knighted. Singing, life was so beautiful. Now we all got locked down. Feel like a ghost living in a ghost town. So the band put out a statement saying this actually was recorded a year ago in LA, but was finished in lockdown. Uh, We thought it would resonate through the times we're living in, says Sir Mick. Uh, Mick said that he wrote this thing in about 10 minutes. Um, It wasn't written for now, but it was written about being in a place which was full of life, and then now that's also bereft of life. Uh, And then when I went back to what I originally written lyrically, it was full of plague turns and things like that. Keith Richards and I both had the idea that we should release it, but I said, Well, I gotta rewrite it. Some of it's not gonna work, and some of it is a bit weird and a bit too dark, says Mick Jagger. So they completed the song by satellite, and it was released yesterday. Um, Keith Richards saying it's sort of eerie that it's suddenly coming to life. We did it, sort of did it from outer space, but I actually liked the way it turned out. You know, there's a long history of rock and roll bands. Thinking back to Crosby, Stills, and Nash putting and Young putting out the song Four Dead in Ohio. I think were largely written by Neil Young after the tragic Kent State shootings in 1970. And, you know, uh, obviously most of these rock bands are liberals, so they often... Um, who was it that's saying, let's impeach the president? I think that may have been CSN as well. But I'm glad to see the Rolling Stones, even at their relatively advanced age, putting out this record. Apparently, they've got, it's part of a new album that's going to be coming out, first one in eight years. And um, it does feel like living in a ghost town sometimes. If you live in one of these areas, that is hard hit. So let me say to all of you, Number one, please watch Media Buzz on Sunday, 11 Eastern. We're going to deal with all of this and much more, all the stuff we've been talking about on the podcast much week, uh, all week, plus the breaking news. So I look forward to that. look forward to having you along. Stay safe. Stay sane. Enjoy the weekend. Do the best you can. And I'll be back here on Monday. We'll see you all then with the latest media Media Buzz.